Thank you so much, Maggie. I appreciate that reading from Romans that talks about light, and light is such a big symbol we have um, during the season of Advent and Christmas. So just as uh, this is a more informal service, arguably, since it's not streamed, I can ask more questions. So who here, raise your hand if you've already put up your Christmas tree. Let me see. All right, all right. Raise your hand if you put up any Christmas decoration whatsoever. All right, so we've got some folks who've done a little bit and some folks have done a lot. Raise your hand if you're completely done decorating for Christmas. Wow, we got some early adopters here. Y'all are on the ball, that's fantastic. So light is a big part of what we do during Christmas season and sometimes we go drive around and look at lights. I remember doing that as a, as a kid. I remember taking my children when they were young like the Merthyr family here and looking at lights and we have beautiful lights in our sanctuary today. And lights is a big thing we do because we anticipate the light of the world coming with the birth of Jesus on Christmas Eve. And to get there, we have a journey to take. And for me, Advent is this journey that we are active in preparing for Christ to come anew in our hearts again as we remember and celebrate the birth of Jesus. And by preparing, I mean being active. Sometimes you'll hear we need to wait you know, Advent's a time of waiting, and it can be some waiting, you know, waiting maybe for family to come in town, you know, waiting for the cake to come out of the oven, you know, waiting for a Christmas morning. But there's much more preparing, I suspect, in your life, preparing for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And we're going to talk a lot about preparing during the sermon. I'm reading for the or from the book of Isaiah, this is a book in the Old Testament, Isaiah 2, chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. I want you to listen for something as I read today. I want you to listen for the movement you hear in this reading. I'm curious about all the movement that you hear in this text today. The movement from God and the movement from people. The word that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains. It shall be raised above the hills, and all nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. Church, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, I ask that you hide me behind your cross so that our focus is on you and not me. And that your Holy Spirit work in our hearts and minds today is so what we think and say and do when we leave worship reflects more and more of Jesus. Amen.
Did you hear the movement in Isaiah? The cheers, things were happening. It wasn't a static environment. This text talks about a yearning in the days to come. I believe there's a yearning in the days to come. There's a yearning for Christmas Eve. There's a yearning for something to happen. God's people have a yearning for hope that only God can fill. This deep yearning for hope. This yearning for God to do something. This yearning from a heart to experience something powerful and hopeful and loving. This yearning that the world can be a better place. I was thinking of movement and yearning in a different way this week. So I listened to a podcast, uh, the Wall Street Journal podcast about business and, and also I'm active, somewhat active on social media. And both these things collided this week um, along with some friends who were yearning to get Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> so Taylor Swift is a very, very popular singer if you don't know her. She's been around a long time. She started out as a country artist and then she moved to pop and then she moved to this like even beyond pop. She's a unique singer because she has not only kept fans, she has grown her fan base over the years. And Taylor Swift is extremely popular and has not been on tour because of COVID. She's not been on tour for over four years. So there was this deep yearning to get Taylor Swift tickets because they went on sale a, a little bit over a week ago. And these tickets have been on sale. And the way they did it, because she's so popular, this yearning to do it, I want you to hear it. She decided to go on tour and she did this huge action. She went on tour. She did something she hasn't done in four years. She did something amazing. And then there was this huge demand to get tickets. And the way they did it was interesting. She used Ticketmaster and she had a pre-sale. The first pre-sale went for people who pre-registered as certified fans. So you had to be a certified fan of Taylor Swift. Now, if you grew up in the days where you go stand in line and get tickets, those days are over, right? You had to be a certified fan. And so on Monday, when they went on sale, the certified fans were able to get online and buy tickets, right? And then I believe on Wednesday, there was another pre-sale for Capital One cardholders. They were able to get tickets ahead of time too. And then Friday was supposed to be the general sale. Well, it didn't go well because Taylor Swift did this, but the demand was so high, nobody could get tickets. It was a complete debacle. So I was listening to this podcast and there were expecting like a thousand people, um, sorry, about a million people online the first day they went on sale and they had 12 million people on the site to buy tickets. And the site, believe it or not, kept crashing, right? And crashing and crashing. And then they interviewed somebody um, who finally got in to get tickets. He got in and he was first in a waiting room for hours online. And then he was moved online to a lobby. And then he was moved to the queue. And the queue, he had 2,000 people in front of him. So he's working from home. He's doing this all day and keeps getting kicked off and never gets Taylor Swift tickets, right? He was trying to get them for his daughter, right? Who was in college, because his daughter in college didn't have time. And the interviewer said, what are you gonna do without Taylor Swift tickets? He said, well, I went to her and said, do you wanna go hear Guns N' Roses? <laughs> <laughs> of course, that did not go well, right? But then I called a friend who got tickets. I have a friend who on social media posted, I got tickets. 
And she did the same thing. She went online at work that day. And the whole day she had her computer out online trying to get tickets, right? She waited forever and ever and kept getting kicked off and couldn't get tickets. And went home that night and started over and got up to that point. She was in the queue and there were 2,000 people ahead of her. And it got down to 1,500 and 1,400 and finally 400. And finally she got tickets to go to Tampa in the rafters, right? The back, back seats to hear Taylor Swift sing. She was so excited to take her daughter to Taylor Swift. There was this huge yearning in this movement of Taylor Swift fans to go hear Taylor Swift sing. How much more powerful should our yearning be to come to God this Advent? God is even more popular than Taylor Swift, believe it or not. In the text, God did something and said, I'm going to do something amazing is what the prophet says. In the days to come, the temple, the mountain of God, which in Jerusalem, the temple is not the highest mountain, believe it or not. So in the days to come, God will raise up Zion, Jerusalem, to be the highest mountain in the land. Like Grandfather Mountain, but taller. It's going to be the tallest mountain in all the land. And everybody will see it. But not just see it, people will be drawn to it. Nations will flow to it. This sheer magnetism of God will bring people up to it. There's this movement. God raises things up as a symbol of hope. And people see that symbol of hope and they flow to it. They all go to it. It's a sheer magnetism of God that people want to go have that hope renewed to feel that hope we have in God. And they're moving toward it, right? And unlike the Taylor Swift debacle, there's not a problem with supply and demand. Going back to my macroeconomics teaching in college, right? Supply and demand happens in our economy. We're like, if there's too much demand and none of supply, you can't get things or prices go up. There's no macroeconomics at work in this story. There's plenty. Anyone can come. All are invited. God doesn't have Ticketmaster, right? <laughs> you go straight to God, and people can hear what God is doing. People yearn and are drawn to it. And they go in this vision to the Lord's house to receive instructions. Our Advent plea is teach us your ways again, O Lord, so we can walk in the light. And one thing that's important, I think, to note is in the story, people are drawn to God and straight to God. They're not drawn to us. I always say that as a caveat when I preach this, this particular passage. They're not drawn to necessarily the way we worship or the hymns we sing or, or our expectations of how sermons should go. They're drawn straight to God, not preferences about how we worship. Jesus says in John 4, when he talked to a woman in Samaria, and Samaritans believed you had to worship over here and worship this way, and the folks in Jesus' day, the folks who were Jewish, felt like you had to worship over here this way. And Jesus says, you know what? The day will come where it's not exactly how you worship. It's about who you worship. The day will come. It's about who you worship. This story it's not drawing people to a particular way to worship. It's drawing people to the person, the triune God, that we do worship. 
And people are drawn to that sheer magnetism and they're coming to the house of the Lord and hope, hope is renewed. And then the vision continues in Isaiah and it moves, the movement continues. The word comes down and people learn, right? They're taught. Advent is about preparing, about doing something different so that you experience Christ anew in your heart, in your soul these next four weeks. It's about all of us saying, I'm going to prepare something like I prepare for Christmas Eve, like I shop for presents, like I went on Black Friday, like I prepare what I'm going to eat, like I prepare for which Christmas Eve service I will attend, like I prepare for what the tree looks like, like I prepare to go to grandma's. All these actions we do, the Advent plea and challenge is to do something, prepare in a way so that when Christmas Eve comes and we remember and celebrate that Jesus was born, something new happens. Either the more you prepare for Christmas Eve, the better it is. The more you prepare maybe to cook a wonderful meal, and you go shop somewhere, you go get the, the stuff from the farmer's market, you get all fresh ingredients, right? You work hard on it. The more you prepare, the better the meal is. The more you prepare for Christmas Eve, the more you do to open your heart to God's grace working, the more robust and meaningful, the more your hope is renewed. In particular, the hope we see in Isaiah today is a hope for nonviolence. Did you read that? Have you heard that text before? People will beat their swords into what? Plowshares, right? And their spears into pruning hooks. They're taking things that destroy life and reimagining them in things that give life. The specific plea we hear is not to be violent. You know, our nation is full of mass violence and especially mass shootings. It's hard to escape it, you know, and depend on how it's defined, the number of people injured um, or hurt um, or losing their life is four or more is the place I go to. For four or more people injured, we've had over 600 um, acts of mass shootings this year in our country. And I did some research, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I can't find a single one that was done by a female. Everyone I see this year is done by a male. And statistically, we know that domestic violence is more male-driven. And we know that these, these violent acts are more male perpetrators that happen, right? So maybe there's something Isaiah has, especially for those of us who are male today. Maybe it's a special reminder that violence is not the way. Not that we're going to go out and be that violent. But maybe it's a reminder that brute force is not the answer. Being the loudest person in the room is not the goal. You know, um, using bolt strength, being physically stronger is not the answer. Maybe this word for us today is a reminder to have empathy and compassion and listen and maybe change who we are if our response is to become loud or angry or shouting or violent, just in words and in actions. 
Maybe it's a special word for us today. Because then Isaiah says, we shall walk in the light of the Lord. That's the hope of Advent. As we renew hope, we should walk in the light of the Lord. My hope and prayer this Advent is that you will take upon yourself this challenge to do something new, to read scripture more frequently, to become more generous, maybe to give away as much as you spend on Christmas. Maybe there's a time in the day you can set your iPhone or your Android, that's fine, I'm, whatever you have. You can set your phone for an alarm that goes off a certain time each day and pray that time each day. I do that every time in Advent and Lent. I set it for a particular time and it goes off. No matter what I'm doing, I stop and pray. Yes, it can be awkward when I forget about it, but it's okay. It's a good conversation starter. Oh, that's my alarm. It's time for me to pray. Do something different this Advent in a way that you can experience hope renewed. Isaiah ends with this challenge to come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Church, come. Let us prepare to be God's people that walk in the light of the Lord, especially this Advent. Can I sit here? Thank you so much, Maggie. I